You're listening to the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute, a podcast where we discuss both the hobby and business sides of collecting. I'm your host, Mike Summer, and I want to help you buy, sell, and trade your way into a collection you'll love. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute. I am excited about today's episode. Recently, I did an update on my thoughts on Project 2020 and how the project was developing. And today, I get to actually talk with one of the artists, Blake Jamison. Joined me for a conversation, and we talk both about the project as a product and the art that's associated with it and his experience as an artist in developing uh, the cards that he has turned in so far and that have been selling so far, but we also approached it from the business perspective and what he has done to intentionally engage with his audience, market the product, and develop a way to make money from this and and further his livelihood from this well beyond the life cycle of the product itself. And that's one of the things that I was most interested in learning about is, is again, that combination of the hobby and the business and how they play together, especially in this world of an independent artist. And so I hope you enjoy the conversation. I'm going to go ahead and run it now. Blake, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Maybe we can just start by getting a little background from you. You know, I know that um, art has not been your primary focus your entire adult life. And so maybe we can just get started by how did you get started with sports art? Sure. So let's see. I'll take it back a little before, a little before that. So like you said, art has not been uh, the primary focus of my life or career uh, for that long. I've been doing this full time now for a little over five years. And I grew up in a very creative household and my parents were always encouraging me to create art. I always enjoyed it as a hobby but I had kind of convinced myself that it wasn't a viable career path. And so rather than going to art school, I studied economics at UC Davis and then went into digital marketing. And it was fun because it did allow me to be creative in certain ways, you know, doing creating content for brands or copywriting, but ultimately it wasn't uh, as creatively fulfilling as, uh, as I would have liked. And so on my 30th birthday, I decided to quit my corporate marketing job and start pursuing art full time. And it was a very, very good decision. I'm very happy uh, to be where I'm at now. When I started painting full time, I didn't immediately start doing athletes, but I was doing portraits pretty much right out of the gate. And because of my network, I actually was focused on primarily art for offices like tech companies. And so I did know from my background in marketing that I wanted to kind of be specific and have a niche for my art. And so at first it was art for kind of cool tech companies that wanted to you know, help their company look cool by having like cool art on the walls or whatever. Uh, And then it was really, it was a a very lucky situation I found myself in where I met uh, a former NFL player that now manages other players. And he really liked my work and he helped me get my foot in the door with the NFL uh, within kind of that niche. And as soon as I got in there, I haven't looked back and I've been focused primarily just on portraits of athletes ever since. Yeah, I had heard you talk about using LinkedIn as one of your 
marketing channels yep. with that approach of trying to have some of those corporate or business relationships and, and mm-hmm. designing art for office buildings. And I, I thought that was a pretty, pretty creative thing. So how did the relationship with Tops begin? So Tops reached out to me just through my, like the contact form on my website last year. And this guy, Jeff Heckman, who's running project 2020. And he had a, he wanted to talk to me about what turned out to be that project. And just funny how it all works because I actually was actively trying to find a way to work with tops. I grew up collecting baseball cards. I had seen some work that another artist, Greg Kreindler did with, uh, with tops and cards that I thought were just amazing. And I thought it could be a really cool way to reach new audiences with my art. And also like, like I said, I grew up collecting cards. So it just seemed like a good fit for the type of art I was creating at the time. And while my outbound efforts to like, getting contact with tops came up fruitless. Coincidentally, they reached out to me around the same time and said, Hey, we have this project. And, you know, as soon as they explained what it was, I was very excited to get on board. As the project as a whole, we're about three quarters of the way through the 400 card run. You're about 14 cards deep in your own run, which leaves about six to go. I was wondering how many of those remaining six have you already completed? Do you do yeah. one at a time and, or spread them out over, over weeks or months? What's been right. your approach to getting the, the cards done? Yeah, great question. So right now, uh, out of the six that I have left, I have five still to paint. So I, I did uh, Frank Thomas already. And that was actually because with one of my last cards, the Sandy Koufax card, there was a uh, a potential that they thought that they might not release that Sandy card and they might need to swap in Frank Thomas. So they asked me to have both of them done in time for that last deadline. Um, I don't know when the Frank Thomas is going to drop. It does feel nice that I like have that one done. So whenever I get that due date, it's going to be easy to, you know, just drop that in. In general, you know, each artist has a new card dropping every two weeks. And so we have art, you know, we have due dates typically about a week before the drop date of the card. So my next card is, do uh friday and it's derek jeter which i'm very excited about and i will literally like start painting it tomorrow um so i'm i work under deadlines a lot um but i'm used to it and and that just is kind of how i how i like to work is just a lot of focused effort on something until it's done uh right before it's due basically i think one of the other things that that allows for is you to be able to gather feedback or input along the way, have, yep. have some of that feedback influence the future releases yep. versus have them all done at once. And then they are what they are and, you know, right. out of sight, out of mind. I like how you've been able to do that and, and gain, gain and gather that input along the way. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. And, and like a great example of that is I was really excited to do Griffey. And so I painted him really early in the project, even though it wasn't due yet. And then, like you said, like I was able to kind of get a little bit of, you know, feedback and also just come up with new ideas for the card. So by the time that the due date came around, I ended up redoing it uh, and changing some, some pretty big things. So I like flipped his hat around and made it backwards and added the chain from the, uh, from his other uh, upper deck rookie. Um, Well, at least where it was more visible, he wore it in both cards, but yeah, I was able to like make adjustments to the design Um, kind of in real time, you know, with help from the fans, which is really fun. I would say that you've been a case study in how to build a following and engage a fan base. 
I love that. That's that's one of the things that I, I admire a lot about your approach to this this effort. How did you develop that strategy that you're taking? Uh, I definitely think that it's you know from my background in digital marketing where I was working on behalf of other brands and sometimes. I mean, they sold all kinds of different things. Sometimes it was the product that's a cool, sexy product that sells itself. And a lot of more, more often than not, it's a product where you have to like convince people that they need this widget thing that, you know, that solves a problem. And I think like through that, that marketing experience, really the one constant across every single client I ever worked for is that at the end of the day, if you can just build relationships with your potential customers on like a friendship level, the rest kind of sorts itself out. And so I've always tried to take that approach uh, within my own art practice and art business. I do treat it like a business and I, I like, you know, consciously making marketing decisions that I think a lot of artists are not thinking about. One of those is definitely community building. And fortunately, this Tops Project 2020 has really amplified my platform and allowed me to uh, reach more people. And then from there, then, uh, you know, I want to bring them into the fold and get them involved in more of, you know, this kind of friendship and relationship more so than just like a transactional, you know, a seller of things and a buyer of things. Speaking of that, you know, much has been said. And one of the main talking points of the effort has been the crossover between art fans and traditional collectors. Mm -hmm. I was just curious, have you seen examples of people who were primarily fans of your art before the project who have now entered the hobby world because of the project? I have. And it never gets old to get that message from whether it's someone that was already a patron of my art or even just like maybe if could be a friend from high school that like, you know, kind of supported me from the sidelines. Maybe they haven't commissioned a painting or anything, but like they've been following my journey. And now the top thing does a few things. Number one, it allows people to get a piece of my art, like a tiny painting for as little as 20 bucks. That's something that I've never uh, offered before and really nowhere even close to what I'd offered before. And so, so that's cool where it allows people a little easier access. And then these guys and girls are now like kind of get the nostalgia from, you know, getting a baseball card and then they dig through the garage and they pull out their old collection and they're flipping through their binders and I've gotten so many of those messages about like, wow, I forgot how much fun, you know, collecting cards was. And now because of this project and your art, uh, I'm back in the game. And so I'm, I'm not sure how many are like full fledged, like hobby, uh, you know, fanatics now, but I know that a lot of people pulled out, you know, brushed the dust off the binders and, and went trip down memory lane. And they're pretty excited about it, which I think is a really cool thing to be a piece of part of. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. I, I think you could also argue that the reverse is true. And there are some collectors now who have been exposed to the variety of artists that are in the project that they otherwise would have never even come across yep. and have developed a greater appreciation for art. And I think one of the ways this is demonstrated is through the popularity of your uh, card art project at, that, has, that launched earlier this year. And now you've recently had a, a second drop Tell me about how that started and developed from your first drop now into a, a second drop. Sure. So, yeah, it's been a it's been a crazy year. At the at the start of this project, Top sent me a care package that had uh, some boxes of cards, and one of them, the first one that we opened, was uh, Heritage. And 
we did that live on a on a stream and and also like i I'd, I'd kind of fallen out of following baseball i i try to be super honest about like i, I don't really keep keep up with it I hadn't before this project and so like even just like connect like kind of ties back into connecting with the community of like i'm ripping packs and then they're explaining like they're correcting because i'm saying the name's wrong and that was fun and then once that was done you know i have a couple guys that IPC, Mark McGuire and Buster Posey primarily within baseball. And outside of that, I had all these other cards. I'm like, okay, well now what? And we're sitting here in my art studio and I've got, you know, paint everywhere. And so I'm like, all right, let's just paint on them. And uh, at first we just started giving them out to people. Um, we would just literally, if people watched a live stream, they could fill out a little, we had just like a little form and uh, then Tony would mail uh one of those cards out. And so you're taking a card that is typically maybe like a base card that somebody might consider junk, putting some paint on it, turning it into a tiny painting. And all of a sudden now it's like a one of one that has an extra, you know, layer in the story of that card. And that's really, I think what collectors are really into is like the story behind it. And so when that started to get traction and, you know, people started receiving these cards and posting them on social media and getting really excited, that's when Tony and I, uh, also, as business people, saw an opportunity to turn it into kind of a, a par parallel business that also won't stop at the end of 2020 when Project 2020 does. Um, so it's been really fun. And I think the people are responding really well to it. You know, they've Series 1 sold out very quickly. Series 2, which just launched uh, not very long ago, is more than halfway sold out. So they're definitely, I think we've hit a good good kind of stride in terms of like price point accessibility and also like keeping it uh, a little bit like exclusive because it is like unique, you know, little one of one paintings. How many cards did you have in each release? I think we had about 50 in the first release and about 70 in the second one. Okay. And the idea is eventually, and I say eventually very soon, probably on series three, we're going to start incorporating other artists and use cardart.com as a platform to let other artists monetize, you know, their art, which is something that I'm super passionate about helping other artists succeed just as well as like seeing my own business do well, which I think is really rewarding and fun. I think that's really cool. It's another example of that combination of the hobby and business, right? And it's another example of you leveraging this project and this platform into an additional revenue stream or an additional business line product line that expands well beyond the the 400 card project and your 20 cards of that and i, th I think that's exactly. really cool and a great example um, to yeah. other people one of the things i've talked a lot about in both the blog and podcast is how this project is so unique it you know spanning 20 artists the cards are released over the course of nine months we've got print runs that range from 1100 to 99,000. <laughs> Resale values on the secondary market ranging from $3 to well over $1,000. You have some artists who are very active and engaged with fans. Yep. Some creating um, spinoff projects like you talked about or their own autograph programs and companion cards. And others who it seems like have never even mentioned the project or, or their involvement in the project. Right. It's, it's just so unique. I was curious through all of this, what is something that you've learned along the way, either from a marketing or business perspective or from an artistic creativity perspective? Yeah. Uh, well, I think the biggest lesson I've learned applies to both of those and that, is that you can't please everyone. And I think 
you know, by nature, I, I want to make people happy. I want to tell everybody yes. Uh, I want to listen to all the feedback. And if I can implement it, I want to do that. And this has made it abundantly clear, both from a business business standpoint and then also from an artistic standpoint, is that there's just you just can't please everyone. And once I came to terms with that and accepted it, and it's something that I had been aware of, but it was my business was just a smaller scale where like it was a lot easier to please everyone. And now it's completely impossible. And as soon as I accepted that, it's become a lot more fun, uh, you know, dealing with, uh, you know, because there's always going to be some haters out there, whether it's about the art or it's about, you know, the way that I'm me or other artists are running our businesses. And that's totally okay. Yeah, I think that's a great message. And I, and I hope a lot of other, whether you're dealing with like visual arts like you or even other fellow podcasters, bloggers, and content creators, I think that's a message that rings loud and clear to all of us who are creating something that there are going to be people that can't stand what you're doing and that you're just not going to be what they're looking for. And that's okay. Right. Totally. Have there been, and I'm not asking you to name names, but have there been some of the other artists who have reached out to you to try to gain some insight on the way that you're approaching some of these, you know, ancillary efforts? Sure. Uh, Yeah. In varying degrees, I think, I've also reached out to to most artists uh, and it's actually a goal of mine to reach out to all of them before the end of the project uh, just to get to know them better and have a conversation. Like you mentioned before, there's there's varying degrees of people who are, for whatever reason, like the effort that they're putting into uh, marketing or promoting the fact that they're involved in Tops 2020 and you know doing things like the auto- artist autographs. And as soon as like Tony and I saw a lot of success very early in the project with signing and selling our own cards that we're buying from tops and financially it really has impacted our business in a very positive way and so i was actively trying to get a hold of artists and say look there's a lot of there's a lot of opportunity here and i'm i'm happy to share exactly like how i did it how i priced it the mistakes i made at the beginning that i wish i knew um and a lot of them were really receptive to that and and some of them you know turned right around and implemented uh with their kind of their own spin um the same type of uh, way to, you know, expand their business. And, and I've seen like some really cool results from that. They have seen really cool results, which then is, uh, is like really re- rewarding for me. Like I love seeing artists win and if I can help that happen, it's, it's a good feeling. As we talked about earlier, there's been so much that has changed and evolved with the project over the first three-fourths of it. And we're down to about the last quarter of the project. Do you have any thoughts on where you think we're headed in this project in that final phase of that, you know, last 120 or so cards that are still to be released? Yeah, Yeah, I think that there's going to, I hope, and I've been saying this the whole time, um, I think the last 50 cards, we're going to get a little bit more of like kind of the gold rush we saw uh, earlier in the project. I think um, what I'm hoping happens is as the set develops and evolves and you start to see like these player sets and how cool they look or the artist sets and how cool they look. When we get to the end, I'm hoping that people realize they're like, Oh man, I should have done a Mark McGuire player set. Oh, I should have done a Blake Jamison artist set. I better get it. You like they're going to start trying to fill gaps. And so I hope that that positively affects the secondary market, even for the earlier cards. And I would love to see the print runs come up. I'm not a hundred percent confident that that will happen because 
just like where kind of we're at as a society in terms of like the COVID situation and, and a lot of uncertainty going into the winter and a lot of people are unemployed or underemployed, you know, at the end of the day, these, these are a luxury good that, that people don't need to survive. And, and I understand that uh, and very fortunate that when people are spending money on it, my baseball card is awesome. So I hope that those print runs bounce up. But I do think that across the board near the end of the project, the interest in all of the cards are, should see some spike because people start to realize, oh, I need to fill these early gaps because this player set's going to look awesome or this, you know, like for example, Bob Gibson. I imagine now there's probably more people that are like, man, I should do a Bob Gibson set, sure. um, which, you know, I think will help uh, popularity of the project. I think Tops has done a great thing here of coming up with uh, a very unique project and a, and a very u- unique effort. And I think it's going to be something that people look back on for years into the future and learn from both mm-hmm. the way that they incorporated so many of you artists into the effort, how it exposed people to think about cards and think about collecting in a non-traditional way and I think that that's going to have long lasting repercussions, even if it's not in, in projects that are identical to this or right. uh, in the same vein. I think the influences that this project is going to have into the future are going to be pretty, pretty long lasting and far reaching. At least, at least I hope so. You yeah. mentioned earlier that you collected as a kid. How, if, if at all, how has your passion for the hobby been impacted by the project? I mean, it's completely pumped new life into it. It's, it's awesome. So yeah, I collected as a kid with my dad and idolized Mark McGuire growing up, still do. And so it was, and we had season tickets to the A's and we saw a ton of baseball games. And at some point I just kind of fell out of it. I also remember my dad being like adamant, you know, we buy cards and we come home and then my mom would be like, Oh great, more baseball cards. And he'd say, don't worry, this is going to pay for Blake's college. And like that was, and now it's like, then it became a joke to be like, oh yeah, it's all junk wax era stuff. And like, it's basically not worth its weight, but it's also like just such a fun, nostalgic thing. And to my mom's credit, she never threw the boxes of cards away. They traveled all over the country with us. We moved to Florida and then back to California. And I pulled those out when I was home, I guess it was around Christmas time of last year because I knew about the Tops project and I was just looking through all the cards. It was so much fun. And through this project and connecting, also tying into like the community building stuff, like I let people know, hey, I, I used to collect cards, but I've been out of the game for so long. I don't have anything current. And so people would just start sending stuff, uh, you know, random acts of kindness, which is such a cool thing to see happen and, and so prevalent in the hobby. There's very generous people. And so as much as like, you know, Tony and I are sending out a ton of cards to other people uh, for free, we're also receiving a lot of stuff. And so now my PC is very quickly uh, growing and I'm, I've got, you know, memorabilia shelves that I, I keep need. I can't build them fast enough, uh, which is pretty amazing. That's awesome. Well, I just wanted to thank you uh, for coming on the show and, and the great conversation. Where can people follow along with your work? Sure. So, a few places. Twitter.com slash Blake Jameson is a really good way. I'm very active on there. I check all my DMs. I respond to everyone's tweets. Uh, that's, that's a great place to connect. I also live stream every night on YouTube, which is YouTube.com slash Blake Jameson. 
And then my website is blake.art for my personal art. And then also cardart.com is the card art website. And so any of those four places are a great starting point, but I try to be everywhere and, and respond to everyone. So wherever people want to reach out to me is fine. Great. Thanks again. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Thanks again to Blake for coming on. I had a ton of fun having that conversation with him and learned a lot about him and his approach to art and his approach to business and just, just had a ton of fun with it. I had told him afterwards that his Don Mattingly card was the first Project 2020 card that I purchased and it got things running for me. So it means a lot to be able to have that conversation with him. Who knows, maybe I'll be able to get that card into his hands at some point and, and maybe have him autograph it. And that would be a, a great way uh, for me to both remember this conversation as well as my introduction to Project 2020. So we'll, we'll see if I, can, if I can get that worked out at some point. Let me know what you think of the conversation. What other questions did you have for Blake that I didn't get to? And maybe we can follow up with him and, and see about getting answers to those questions as well. I would love to hear from you. Reach out to me at waxpackhero at gmail.com. Connect with me on Twitter at the Mike Summer. I would love to engage and have a conversation with you and hear what you have to think. I would also appreciate it if you left a rating and review on Apple Podcasts especially. That would be fantastic. It's been a little bit since somebody has left a review, and I would love to hear that real-time feedback of what you guys love about the show and what you would like to hear me do differently. Thanks again for tuning in, and that's all I've got for you today, so I will catch you next week.